For the news business, media literacy has become the great challenge of our time. The lack of media literacy has compounded to where even now agreeing on basic facts is a fraught proposition. The knock-on effects are existential for democracy, public life, and as the pandemic showed us, public health. Media literacy has become in the 21st century a survival skill. So where are people picking it up? What resources are available? And how can these resources get in front of the children and adults who need them to make informed decisions about their own lives? I'm Michael Depp, editor of TV News Check, and this is Talking TV, the podcast that brings you smart conversations about the business of broadcasting. Today, we're going to be talking about media literacy, and my guest is Alan Miller. Miller was a longtime investigative reporter for the Los Angeles Times and is the founder and CEO of the News Literacy Project. We'll be right back with that conversation. Welcome, Alan, to Talking TV. It's good to be with you, Michael. Let's start off quickly with a good working definition of media literacy, the boundaries of what we're talking about and what's at stake here. Sure. So our focus is news literacy, which is one way of teaching media literacy. Media literacy is a more well-established field that deals more broadly, often with popular culture. Um, we are really laser focused on teaching the next generation and now all generations how to know what news and other information to trust giving them the tools to be informed and engaged participants in democracy. As you mentioned, we also instill an appreciation for the role of the First Amendment in a free press. So you founded the News Literacy Project as an attempt to help here with programs that are targeted at 6th to 12th graders, and now also the general public as well. So outline briefly what the organization does. So we create resources and programs to work with educators and members of the public to teach and learn how to discern fact from fiction and um, to give people the ability to be fully informed and engaged participants in the public lives of their communities and, and the country. Uh, we do this and we work with educators all over the country. We have over 50,000 educators that we've been contacted with, who shared our resources with over the years. Um, with a number of, of different tools. One is we have a virtual classroom called Checkology, which is a highly engaging online platform with real world lessons led by diverse group of journalists and experts on the First Amendment and digital media. We have newsletters uh, called uh, The Sift and Get Smart About News that debunk the most recent viral rumors, conspiracy theories and hoaxes. And for educators, turn them into timely lessons with, with links and discussion prompts. We have an app called Informable, which is a game that tests and builds news literacy skills for all ages. Uh, we have a podcast called Is That a Fact? that looks at the impact of misinformation and disinformation on democracy. And we share quizzes and infographics and, and other resources um, with educators and the public as well. Can you elaborate on Checkology, what that means and what's in, involved in that? So as I mentioned, Checkology is a, a highly engaging online platform. Um, the, we have a version of it for educators and it's being used in every state in the country. Uh, we've reached over 350,000 students since we launched in 2016. And we have a version of it for the, for the public as well. It, it has um, a set of lessons um, that give basically foundational skills in news literacy, um, starting with a lesson called InfoZones that looks at the difference between news, opinion, advertising, propaganda, and raw information you know, based on the primary purpose 
Uh, we have lessons on the First Amendment, on the watchdog role of the free press, uh, on bias, not only on looking for bias in news and other information, but in recognizing your own biases. And then we have lessons on misinformation and conspiratorial thinking. Um, and so it gives a, a basic, um, uh, you know, ground grounding uh, in how to determine credible information uh, and understand the role of the press and, and the First Amendment of democracy, and really how to navigate this incredibly fraught uh, information landscape. You have a lot of different points of distribution for what you're doing, and, and who are the people who are compiling this and staying on top of it? Because it's a moving target. There's always a new rumor around there's always a new piece of false information circulating well we've got a very talented and and committed staff uh, that stretches from new york uh, to hawaii and canada uh, we work virtually um, and so we are, are constantly um, updating obviously through the newsletters every week um, we do a, a webinars for both educators and the general public um, when, when major events uh, demand it, we create special pages uh, about the pandemic or, or the election or Russian disinformation uh, currently. Um, and we're very active on social media, you know, staying on top of this constant, this really, you know, tsunami of, of false content and misleading information. So true media literacy isn't about teaching people what to think when they encounter news, but how to think. And that's not necessarily something easy to do, is it? Well, that's exactly right. We, we do teach people not what to think, but how to think. We don't steer them to any particular platforms or outlets or away from any. Uh, we want to give people the tools to make the judgments about everything that they encounter. Should I trust this? Should I share this? Should I act on it? And we know that even from the most high quality sources, there's a mix of news, opinion, advertising. Uh, a lot of it's disaggregated, so people aren't necessarily getting it from, from a site or the source itself. Um, and you know, mistakes get made, not be, uh, deliberately, but for various reasons, uh, bias may creep in. So we want people to be able to have the, have the tools to, to look at anything that uh, they see and ask themselves basic questions before they decide what to do with that information. So when is the optimal time to begin this kind of instruction with people and why? So when, when I started uh, the NLP back in 2008, we decided to work with middle school and high school students because we wanted to reach them when they were forming habits of mind and consumption habits that would last a lifetime. As it turns out, we also wanted to reach them before they got into their own filter bubbles and, and habits of looking for information that may only conform to what they believe versus challenging their beliefs or informing them. We, that that approach has been um, you know, basically worked well, um, and, and we see the impact through our assessment data that we're having on students, how empowering and even transformative this critical thinking skill can be. But we did decide a couple of years ago that the existential threat to democracy posed by misinformation was so grave that we could not just wait to reach the next generation. We needed to reach all generations. So we created a set of resources for the general public and that, that I had mentioned, some of which I mentioned earlier. And now we really want to aspire to turn our mission, our mission into a national movement um, to create a newsletter in America and give people a new sense of mindfulness and personal responsibility about the news and other information that they share and to ask themselves, you know, is this credible? Is it actionable? And is it responsible for me to share? And then to begin to push back against misinformation uh, that they encounter 
uh, and to be an upstander for facts. Just to come back to the the uh, application in schools, um, if I'm not mistaken, there there are only two states that currently have any kind of mandated uh, media literacy programs in their school curricula. Is that right? Well, there are two states that that require essentially this critical thinking skill uh, to be taught, um, and and that's Illinois and Texas, and we're working closely there. Um, there are other states that have now adopted, um, you know, or are beginning to adopt and consider standards on, under civics or media literacy um, that move in this direction as well. But as I said, we're, we're also working now in all 50 states. We're working with almost three dozen school districts directly at the district level. And we're finding that there is really growing demand uh, for Czechology and other resources. So is it the partnerships are happening at that granular district level more so than at state departments of education? Well, we have some relationships at state departments of education in places like Hawaii and Iowa. Uh, but, you know, very often, uh, while the states do decide the learning standards, um, it's the individual districts and, and even uh, schools that, are, that decide what curriculum or resources they want to use to meet those standards. So that's why we're working at the level where those decisions are being made. Now. Of course, as you mentioned, we're not just dealing with children here, but adults with this problem, and that's a much harder nut to crack. Habits are formed. Um, so you mentioned the podcast, some of these other means of distribution to reach them, but you know, how, that's a really tough, tough area. We're, how does one reasonably begin to attempt news literacy efforts with people who are very dug in to their ways of thinking, their values, their, their own interpretive interpretative skills. So of course we understand we're not gonna reach everybody. Um, I do think that there are a lot of people who are confused, who maybe don't know what to trust. And of course there's a lot of efforts to undermine trust in general, um, and maybe looking for resources to help them figure this out. Um, and I think those are people we certainly wanna reach. I also think there are a lot of people who wanna become part of an information solution instead of the misinformation problem, who wanna be in a position to share with others. I mean, we all have somebody who's sending us or sharing things with us that they should not be. And so we have answers, subscribe them to Get Smart About News, our weekly newsletter, uh, steer them to Checkology, uh, you know, introduce them to the, to the app, to, the, to Informable, the app, that they can test their news literacy skills. Um, and so we think that there's a lot of energy out there. Um, and we're going to look to create a platform uh, on which people can congregate to see the latest and, and the most credible fact checks on uh, of, of viral rumors and hoaxes and conspiracy theories, and then share tools with them if they want to learn how to do this themselves, you know, how to do reverse image searching or geolocation or lateral reading. Um, and then encourage them to become part of a community. Uh, that pushes back and, uh, and is engaged and shares our resources uh, and these tools with others as well to really begin to, to build that effort out nationwide. And we're looking for partners. We know we can't do this ourselves. So, you know, we're looking for funders, we're looking for news organizations, uh, we're looking for educators, we're looking for those who want to be part of this effort to really give facts a fighting chance. Well, let's talk about those partners. So for the news VPs, the news directors, the TV station general managers, and, and everybody working in newsrooms generally who are on the front lines of this problem and who deal with its consequences every day, what can they do? I mean, so how would a collaboration or a partnership with an organization like yours be possible? What might it look like? 
So once, so we're, we are always looking for partners and we welcome them. And we've got a number of ways that uh, news organizations can engage with us. Um, one is that every year we partner with uh, Scripps to, to do National News Literacy Week, uh, usually in late January. And we have many news organizations partners, um, some of whom give us um, very generous pro bono advertising um, in, in their pages or on their sites um, or on air. Um, uh, Scripps has um, some of their news outlets that do stories, uh, sometimes with educators or with students uh, about news literacy and journalism um, to highlight the week. Um, so that that's one way. Um, we, you know, we have ways that journalists can participate with us. Uh, we have a, a newsroom to classroom program where journalists enroll with us and teachers can reach out to them to have them come into their classes either virtually or in person to supplement Checkology. Um, that is another way to participate. Um, obviously, we're looking to grow our footprint on social media and, and looking for journalists and news organizations to follow us and to amplify uh, our messages. We do events. Uh, we're happy to do, you know, events, particularly it's much easier now virtually, where, you know, we can share our work and our resources with news organizations and journalists. And of course, we always welcome in, uh, we always welcome pieces being, being done about news literacy. Um, and we're active in so many local communities now, in so many school districts, um, that I think it's a good story for local news organizations to tell. So for you're, you're hearing it, news directors, newsroom leaders, the door is wide open to a potential relationship there. Now, you're, you're funded almost entirely by philanthropy, right? So, so most of these programs would have no cost to, to the users, whoever they are. Well, thank you, Michael, for underscoring that. Our, all of our resources are available at no cost. And you know, we're, we're more than happy to share them uh, with uh, those who wanna use them and those who want to get the word out to others. So this problem has only metastasized in recent years, and we could, and we probably should have loads of more conversations about how to tackle it. But from where you sit, and having started this in 2008, do you have any optimism here? So before I tackle that, I, I should say you can find us at, at newslit.org and, and checkology.org, and you can reach out to us at info at newslit.org. We will um, we'll have that, that, that URL on the screen. That's great. Um, so I do, look, this is a monumental challenge. And as you said in the opening, I think it's, it's really one of the greatest, if not the greatest challenge of our time, that if we cannot agree on, on a set of facts, if we now cannot really even agree on what a fact is, and we have tens of millions of Americans who are believing in and acting on uh, disproven and discredited conspiratorial thinking, um, the marketplace of ideas breaks down. And I think it becomes very challenging for to have an effective democracy where we can have, you know, fact-based civil debates about how to solve the great challenges of our time and then find some kind of consensus to do so. I mean, and, and in addition to which, you know, the very underpinnings of democracy now are under enormous stress. I mean, the belief in the, in, in the fairness and validity of our electoral process. Um, and we're seeing it, you know, a uh, perfect storm in terms of the pandemic, the election, uh, the rise of QAnon, and now what's happening with, you know, Russia and its disinformation campaign uh, involving its invasion of Ukraine. Um, so let me, I'm just stating that as, as the challenge. I think in terms of you asked about cause for optimism. 
So we were talking before about, about uh, education. Certainly we're seeing an uptake in interest in education and in states and adopting standards uh, and whatever they call them under civics or media literacy, news literacy, the key is this critical thinking skill, how to know what to trust. Um, that's one cause for some optimism. Uh, I do think that there is growing awareness, I mean, enormous awareness now in the public about this challenge and how grave it is. And we saw after the 2016 election, uh, when we learned about what was going on in the social media platforms and the Russian disinformation campaign, you know, a huge growth in interest. We had educators telling us for the, you know, that what we were, what we were sharing was the most important thing they could be teaching and thanking us. We started to get money for the first time from Silicon Valley and tech, we started to get much more news coverage. And I've said, I felt a little bit like we went from being a voice in the wilderness to an answer to a prayer. So I think that that's where I find some cause for hope. And we hope to kind of put this to the test a little bit again, by taking this big step, we're going to, to try to create this kind of community of practice around news literacy and really uh, dramatically heighten awareness and engagement in, in pushing back uh, against this toxic tide of missing disinformation. Well, it's an extremely important project you're undertaking. So good to, to learn more about it. Um, that's all the time we have right now, but here's a link to get more information about the news literacy project. Thank you, Alan Miller, for talking about your work and for this very existential problem. And thanks to all of you for watching and listening. We'll see you next time. A new episode of Talking TV is available most Fridays on tvnewscheck.com. You can also listen and subscribe on YouTube, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and Spotify.